you know, it's weird hearing people on different mics, but I'm like also the same sort of mentality. I think different mics do better things for different people because I think if you were to do a, like a podcast or a radio radio player or music, it really depends on the voice and what microphone suits that voice and yeah. that dynamic because some microphones are better for some people. Like I would only ever use because of my voice range, probably like ones that have a lot of bass and can pick up that bass level mm. and and depth because they complement my voice more. But if I had something which was more about the high ends, I'd be like, why did I get a mic that picks up like high ends? It would just be no point. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that like the same principle applies to you when you sort of do like any form of dealing with microphones. Actually, I bought my microphone kind of blind. Like um, I got a Neumann mic. Mm. I bought it like online and I picked it up from Taramara Music. Mm. Um, and I was sort of looking at YouTube reviews and other Google reviews for quite a while or like a week or two weeks or yeah. something. And um, I think the thing that swayed me to this particular mic, uh, I think it's a TLM 49. I kind of forget like what I have because, <laughs> um, you know, like you look through so many different ones and you can't, they all like blur into yeah. one. But this one, I heard a particular live cover, like a woman who I thought, mm, yeah, similar voice to me, was doing a cover of this song. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, it sounds so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of was what pushed me to get that mic. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. think, it, do you think like, have you listened to yourself sing into it and, and talk into it and sort of like, yeah. <laughs> have you loved it yet? I don't know. I mean, it's good because I don't actually use a pop filter with it. Ah, okay. Because it doesn't seem to pick up the, the S yeah, the the, S sounds like my yeah. old mic did and it was so nasty. Um, so it's sort of got a softer top end, yeah, which I think is good for me. Um, I think it's like pretty easy to work with. Like it sounds pretty good and mm. it doesn't require a lot of... Uh, mangling or like working with it yeah. afterwards to get it to sound good, like in the mix. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's... From what I can tell, like, <laughs> you know. This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, we've got my special guest and friend, Isavina. Hello. 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 Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Now, first major question. Um, I'm going to get you to tell the internet and all the years and people who don't know you who you are and what you do. Well, I didn't prepare for this one. <laughs> um, I'm Ice Vina. I am a music producer, songwriter, singer, performer. What else do I do? <laughs> <laughs> just just those things. Um, yeah, I can't even. I'm drawing a blank, but um, I think that's enough. Um, I also I also organise the Ableton News Group Sydney. Ooh. Um, I work at APRA Amcos, where um, we we look after musicians' rights and uh, songwriting royalties. Um, I think that's most of what I do. Goodness. That's actually a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I do. All, I don't do that much. I do a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, like what came first? What was it? Because 
like where because it royalties is a whole other a whole other movement in terms of music rights yes what came first in terms of interests and and trajectory i guess um i started with like in primary school with like school band Mm -hmm. um did that moved into orchestras in my teenage years and loved being in an orchestra like i just loved making sounds with other people like in a big group Mm. it's amazing that feeling um and I was kind of at a crossroads in like year 12 being like oh should I do music as a career oh that sounds crazy right or should I do science because I love science and I'm quite good at it something in me just couldn't quite bring myself to go Mm. to go to uni and study science like I think I knew even back then I would regret it and I would always wish I had done music and so I decided to honor that at the time and I went to uni and I studied music um I probably didn't need to go and study music but I think it was good for me in a way like Mm. going going to uni is like a great experience I mean there's lots of negatives about uni like the debt and like all that sort of stuff um but there's a lot of positives like it gives you a lot of time to think and learn yeah without the pressure of like working because it's kind of understood if you're a student like you're studying so you're not working full-time like no No. (laughs) (laughs) and that means you get like lots of spare time to like watch tv and like sort yourself out and think Mm. about think about things like have a lot of free time and work on whatever you want to work on I Mm, guess yeah I kind of wish I used more of that time I only really kicked myself on the ass in like the last year of uni where I was like, right, we're doing this now. I was so scared before that. Like, I didn't really believe I could. Mm. I thought I was too old, even though I was only like 20. (laughs) Was that a, do you think, a confidence thing? Or do you think it was kind of just comparing yourself to, like, others that you see in the social world? Yeah, like, definitely comparison, which is why I try not to compare myself anymore. Mm. But, like, people, like, flume that were producing since, like, age 11. And I was like, well... I haven't even started and I'm 20. Like I've run out of time because with like women in particular, it's like there is that kind of, it's so terrible, but like when you like kind of age out of the industry Mm. um, and I was sort of like, oh, you know, it's too late. I don't really believe that anymore, but it is something that people think, Mm. um, unfortunately. And like feels like 30 is like the deadline. For, oh. for females yeah um in in the performing arts industries um but yeah i don't believe that anymore i think like there's plenty of artists that have like caroline polachek mm. um who's in her late 30s who's amazing and i think is like kind of for the better that that it like she's matured she's worked on her craft for so long and it's mm-hmm. like for the better for the art that she's making yeah. and now she's finally getting an audience Anyway, this is a long tangent. I love um, it though. Thank you. <laughs> um, so coming back to uni, I decided in the last year of uni to do an honours year on production creative process. Yeah. And that was purely because I wanted to work towards my honours year while spending as much time as possible in the studio. Because at that point I was like, yeah, I really want to be a producer um, because I want to compose music. Yep. But be able to like shape the sounds and hear it right then. Not like writing for an orchestra where you're like kind of imagining it and then you'll have to like send it off and then they'll play it. And it's like very kind of intangible, I guess. 
Um, and yeah, I was like, yeah, I really want to be a producer. I was really loving some different electronic artists and um, I just was like, yeah, well, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I'm going to put in like, I put in lots of hours at the studio in that year. And because it was to my honors, I was like, it felt like it wasn't all about me or it was, wasn't mm-hmm. all for me. Like it wasn't as much of an ego thing. It's like, well, I'm doing this honors year anyway. Mm. I may as well do something that I'm interested in because it means that I will probably get a good mark Yeah. Um, as opposed to trying to force myself to do the right thing, whatever yeah. that is with like academic stuff. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did that and it went really well. I ended up getting like a HD. <laughs> anyway yeah oh my god yeah um honors is hard though but um after that basically it was like all right what am I going to do now and it Mm. was in a weird time it was kind of really hard to find work at that point it was like 2019 so pre-pandemic there wasn't many jobs going and they were super competitive Mm. it's so weird to think about that now but it was Mm. and I couldn't find like work so I was doing temporary work um I was working on like the elections oh wow yeah and so they'd just be like two or three months sort of temporary contract things and then I'd have nothing and then I'd be like okay time to work on music Mm. um and then I get another sort of contract and then I'd be working on music and that was how it went for a while and then yeah I was doing like temporary reception sort of stuff like it was pretty shit actually. Like I'd mm. just get called up on the morning of and then I'd be sent off wherever to do my little reception job for the day. Oh god. Yeah, I was like, ugh. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. Like I just didn't like not having a routine or knowing where I was gonna be or yeah. knowing if I would have anything on. Cause it yeah. would kind of like like the night before I'd be like, Okay, another day to work on my music and then at like seven thirty that morning they'd be like, All right, we need you to go there. And I'd be so devo of like, oh man, no, I can't work on my music today. Yeah. Anyway, um, and then obviously like pandemic hit and there was none of that work anymore because offices closed. Blessing in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was like really at a loose end because mm. I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? Like mm. there's really nothing I can do. I can't get a job now. Like it's pretty much impossible. Yeah. Um, At least until this, whatever this is. Subsides. Blows, and- o- blows yeah. over. <laughs> Cause we didn't know how long it was going to last. Um, and unfortunately, like it wasn't a very productive time. Mm. I know a lot of creators felt that way. Like, even though we had all this like extra time or in some cases, like limitless free time didn't like, didn't really happen. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. Um, and then after that, Later on that year, I joined a course, I'd say, like an online course called Finish More Music. Oh, yeah. And it really like broke me out of my rut and gave me like a structure to start like finishing some of the ideas I'd had and like start making mm. new ideas and kind of like it was like a really nice sort of tie into my honors thesis in a way, like mm. creative process. And then this is like a course that's kind of like similar but specifically for like dance music oh cool yeah yeah it was really cool it was a good find um and i'm still with them and the way they like they've got course materials on their website but they also have a facebook group and so every month you can 
submit up to two tracks you've been working on. Yeah. That are like kind of in a like eighty percent finished state. Yeah. And then people in the community give you feedback on it. Oh, cool. And in return you give feedback yeah. as well. But it's like structured, so the feedback there's like five questions you have to answer. Oh. So it's like very structured and it's it's very clever. That's um, great. Yeah. And so just going through that like every month mm. um just really helped to get me back on track and then improve my skills and mm. get multiple perspectives and I mean during all this time like I think my cuz cuz talking about feedback I'd be sending my music to friends and family mm. and the sort of feedback you'd get was just sort of disheartening mm. um just cuz they didn't know how to give good feedback and that it wasn't to their taste and all, all that sort of stuff. And mm. yeah, like back then it probably wasn't that good, whatever. <laughs> it's all right. But like, <laughs> um, yeah, like I was going somewhere with this. Yeah. No, I like, I like it where it's going. I mean, I do, I do think that also, you know, do you think that was a confidence thing as well? Because like, you know, you know, pre pandemic as well, the confident, you know, you clearly grown in confidence on on how you output stuff and how you see yourself. But pr- you know, pre pandemic, I think there's a lot of, comp- you know, as you say, there was a lot of competitive nature, and I don't know, there's still a little bit of that today, where it's like you know, everyone's still trying to like break it into the industry and everything. But I feel like um, maybe it's the self reflection and and opportunities that you've had that sort of see, you know especially because I know you're on a personal level, but I feel like, you know, it sort of benefited you to kind of have that self-reflection period and be like, okay, well, you know, t- you know, time does help and, and time, you know, working on your own projects and having, like as weird as it sounds, like having a pandemic kind of gives you the opportunity to reflect, even though it's not great and you have like months of, you know, not creating. It's kind of the beneficial thing because then you can stop find out what's, you know, like that course and everything that, mm. you know, trajectory yeah, really kind of pushes you back into what works in your own mind and, and your own taste and then get feedback, which, because I mean, like constructive feedback is great. A lot of the problem most people have and family and friends just kind of, it's, it's from a, you know, an audience perspective. Um, and while that's great, it doesn't really give you the opportunity to be like, you know, because audience perspective, I always feel is a little bit like, you know, some people are going to love it and hate it. Like it's not, you know, because that's the point of taste, you know, it just varies from person to person. Yeah. But you want family and friends to be just supportive. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like this is swinging to like my latest song. I sent it to some of my friends on release day and one of them was like, oh yeah, it's nice, but I like your other stuff better. And I was kind of like, Oh, I mean, I pre- I do always appreciate honesty, but it's like, I do think, and maybe it's just because I've been doing this for a while. I think mm. it's so important to support people on release day. Um, and if, you know, a week later you want to say, maybe in person, it's probably better. It's mm. like, oh, you know, I like to track, but I do like the other one. I think I like the other ones better. That would be like, oh, okay. Mm. But I think, I, th- I think it's important to like support people on release day or like at the mm. gig yes and try and be really positive 
I think it's, I think it's, I think I agree with that. And I think it's also just really good to support people, you know, regardless. Mm. Um, because what's that saying? Like when we create stuff, it's like wearing your heart on your sleeve kind of thing. Cause it, you yeah. know, I think, I don't know. And not, it, it, this is not every creative, but I, I feel like this is more us um, than, you know, than some, but you, we're very emotionally driven people. So therefore emotions kind of, you know, we validate ourselves through our output and what we've done and creatively how people see it. Um, but there's pros and cons to that, which is like the pros are, you know, you can either be excited and, you know, elated that everyone loves it, or you can have one bad criticism and it just like topples you. Um, and I feel like the thing that I've noticed, especially like listening to your music over the over the t- course that we've known each other, it, it has gotten progressively better and cleaner. And I think, I can tell your skill set has gotten better and from a, you know, like a good mix and, you know, and, and the way it's written and the way it sounds. And I think that evolution is very interesting, but I guess when people don't always have that evolution and they don't understand that evolution that someone's gone to, and especially because artists evolve, we change, we're constantly not going to be the same as our previous work, Um, you know, and I think, because then that's boring. Like we don't feel like we move on as artists. So it's kind of ironic that friends are going, Oh, I don't like it as much as your old work. Like, do you feel like that's a little bit of a, oh, should I just remain the same? Or is that what people want? Or should I, or, you know, do I do what I want? Um, Yeah, I did get another comment from another friend who did say that she preferred my dancier stuff mm. than the pop music. Um, But I'm just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Whatever. You know, <laughs> like that's that new song is kind of like my first pop track. Mm. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, it probably, yeah, it could be better. Like, I know that, like, mm. no worries. It's my first pop track. Like, yeah. of course it could be better. But I so, mean, that's trial and error. Yeah. That's like. It's still really good, but yeah. like, there's elements that I think about now. I'm like, mm, yep, I can, I can see how I could have mm. improved these little bits. Like, I won't like list them all off, but, 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 you know, like you, with time and like distance, you can. And more experience, you can hear like the different things that you could have done better. Yeah. But I'm always thinking like there's so many people that are so scared to even release things and I just don't care. I'm like, I'm just going to put it out. Mm. It's good enough. It'll do. Like, <laughs> you know, Yeah. people have resonated with it at the live show before mm. before it's been released on the platforms like Spotify and all that. Hmm. and so it's like yeah yeah it's good enough i know my vocal performance can always be improved Mm. and that's okay that's fine like that's the journey i guess it is hard though sometimes i i cringe when i listen to my voice um and i find it really hard in saying in saying all of this (laughs) i find it really hard to listen back to my own music really it makes me very uncomfortable is I wonder, is that a self-reflection thing, do you think? I don't know. Um, I think cause it's like I'm so close to it. Like, yeah. Like, it's sort of like seeing myself naked. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like, oh, I don't want to look at that. Like, or, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I might listen. No, so I think what it also is is like I love 
performing my music and I'm like, mm. hell yeah, this is great. As soon as I switch into becoming con- a consumer of my own music, something mm. about that just doesn't feel right. Like, I think, yeah. Yeah. I think that would be very, like, if, if you did that and you consumed your own music for a constant, like, nick of time, it's kind of like, I don't think any artist is really comfortable. Mm. Otherwise, you're incredibly vain, I think. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's the same. Like, I think... It's interesting. There's a there's a level of I can't watch too much of the things I've made over and over and over before I kind of go, oh, God, I see all the faults with them and, and stuff like that. And I think, well, it's nice to get feedback. Um, I'm definitely not sitting there going, you know, watch all my stuff. Like it's I just kind of release it and then hope that people enjoy it and and, and stuff like that. But I, I think it's like when you nitpick everything, um, you know, it really does kind of like spoil it for you. And, you know, I, I think you'd be mad. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I think it's also just how we see ourselves. Like, because there's a little bit of imposter syndrome uh, and there must be with you as well, but, you know, because you must still think that um, little you versus big you now um, and and the sort of dissociation when you hear something, you know, of, of music that you've written or listened to to your voice and there must be a little, a little bit of like imposter syndrome when that does well and people go oh that's really good and you're just like it's like that's nice but they like you're not thinking yourself i guess up here in the high like the high status mm. where everyone you know where i guess you know it goes back to that thing of making it and becoming you know an independent artist and everything i i think while you don't see that you are one and mm. um but it is that imposter syndrome like do you feel like on a like a daily basis? No, no, I don't. I don't get that too much anymore. Um, but I guess in certain situations I get it more. Um, mm. Like when I'm playing a gig, I feel pretty good usually, but I might feel nervous like in the lead up, like yeah. during the day. But when I'm actually doing it, it feels pretty good and I don't feel like a fraud or anything. I'm like, yeah, I belong on this stage. Like, fuck yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, swear, okay. swear, swear, swear. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Love it. Uh- <laughs> But, like, on the flip side, and I have no problem, like, coming on a podcast or doing stuff like that or, like, yeah. hosting the user group. I'm like, yes, I do belong here. But, like, when it when it kind of kicks in for me is, like, at a industry conference or something, mm. I'm like, I don't know if I'm quite ready to be here or if I'm on the same li- – I'm in the same league as these people. Like, it, industry conferences are so weird. Like, <laughs> such a weird mood. Like, everyone's trying to, like – sort of sus like who you are like where you're yeah. at and all this i think that's where the competition kind of comes in a bit um yeah so they're interesting and i always feel like i should put myself out there but i'm like mm, nah it's just it's just a weird weird vibe there i yeah i mean like it's interesting as well because i i feel like there is this sort of big you know when when you meet execs or you meet like people of like certain kind of a caliber mm. it is very weird you do kind of see this sort of like oh but i think it is also because everyone's from a business perspective like you're trying to find a you know you're trying to be a product and you're trying to be sellable and that's i guess a little bit more it doesn't feel mm. like art it yeah. feels like business yes and i think that's where it sort of goes stale for me when it's and everything becomes about i guess profit yeah. Um it's like cognitive dissonance kind of yeah. thing. Like, ooh, what's this isn't this is weird. Like I think you're sort of mentally shifting a bit and it's like, oh no, 
<laughs> this isn't me, but um, you sort of put in this situation yeah. where it's like, sell yourself in 30 seconds, like your elevator pitch. And it's like, uh, <laughs> nah, I'd rather just like get a coffee and chat. Yeah. it's And r- rather than go and like dress up to the nines, hoping that someone mm. would be like, oh, you you know. I tell- literally, I literally went to the conference, like pretty much how I am now, like with my jeans and like ASIC sneakers on. And I felt really bad. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh, I should have dressed up. Like, why? Because I just wanted to be comfortable because yeah. um, I was like, it's probably going to be a long day on my feet. Mm. And then I was like, ooh, there's some people that have really, like, dressed up and they look legit artists. And here's me, like, really sort of feeling a bit like an imposter because of that. Mm. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, there's a... Tidbit for you. <laughs> I mean, like, do you, I guess with, the, you know, the, it goes back to that comparison thing and always comparing yourself to others, even though you don't do it as much. Mm. But I mean, you know, that's the prime example, isn't it? Like when you go to a conference and you're sort of like looking and comparing yourself to everyone else, um, like you see it, it, you know, Emmy Awards and you see it at like constantly, like when you go, you know, like social events and stuff like that on, you know, and I guess that we have that very American vision. Um, of the industry as well in Australia. I don't know if it's just like my lens on everything, but I, I think that Australia really, you know, in terms of the industry, especially in the music and, and the arts industry, like once you become a profit to someone, it's it really takes you away from the independent artist and the creative freedom that mm. you had. Like, would you agree with that? When a lot of a lot of the, sometimes you feel like some artists don't have as much creative freedom anymore because of like labels or, you know, who they've signed up with. Um, I'm not sure. I think labels like can control things like release schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, so like timing of releases and, um, I guess they would have the power to say no to a lot of things. Um, cause they control the budget basically. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, cause I don't have that firsthand experience and I don't know a lot of people that are on labels. So I haven't been able to hear those conversations. So I'm probably not the best person to like give you a definite answer because <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. But would you, would you feel, I guess, then my next question to that, would you yeah. feel like you should sign up to a label and then have, you know, or do you feel like you enjoy being, having that creative freedom at the moment? I think we would be pretty good to be on a label, mm-hmm. um, but the, you'd have to like really th- negotiate the terms of that mm. i think and be really careful um yeah so i don't know <laughs> yeah it's tricky but i think it's probably i think the benefits would probably outweigh the negatives but like you got to make sure that they're going to do stuff for you and they're not going to try and control you and you kind of get like like i don't know be really clear about what they're going to do for you. Like, are they going to do two albums or like just mm. one? Or because, like, if you can lock down like two albums, I feel like that would be really good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's that's the dream, isn't mm. it? Um, but no, you should like you should push for that. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I absolutely agree, and I think that you know that it's kind of one of those things that I, I just remember like a lot of people wanting labels, especially when like left high school. And I was like, if you're in a band or something or you're an independent artist, everyone was like, oh, I can't wait to like, you know, sign up a label. And I think it's also because I graduated in 2010. So it was like, there was a lot less like 
digital platforms, there was like Apple, but no one knew how to get onto Apple like mm-hmm. as a platform. I think it's I think everything's much more accessible now than you know, like especially because streaming is such a easy interface. Like you can get songs onto Spotify pretty easily now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people do listen to it, and you know, and it gets a lot of crit- um, critical feedback as well as. Um, but I think back in the day it was kind of like it was such a negotiation to get anything on like platforms and i i remember just going to a lot of friends like little launches and getting their little cds that were clearly recorded on like you know those rewritable discs that you bought from (laughs) officeworks and while that was great um and it feels like so long ago it i think the ability to kind of like look through my apple music and or Spotify and and go, oh, okay, I've got Isavina music. I've got like, you know, I can scroll through what I've got in terms of artists that I personally know as well as artists that I don't know. And I think there's a lot more like freedom, I guess, to quickly type in a name. Whereas back in the day, you couldn't find, mm. I remember I could not for the life of me find some of my friends' bands, even though I knew they were on like, you know, Garage, but, um, what was that site? Um uh there was one site that used to be kind of like just dump your music onto i can't remember what it was called soundcloud no soundcloud was one of them but mm. there was like a few sort of like low end and i remember like um you know like double j um and triple j were the sort of like um but you know um unearthed and everything like that's where some people got their music on um and you know they're, they're all great platforms but i do remember like you know back in the day that it was like I guess there was a lot more creative freedom to who got what on. Um, but now it's sort of like a really random choice about what you hear on the radio. And mm. like, I have found some of the best music by just happenstance, like by, yeah, either, you know, yeah. like it's not quite as simple as just listening to the radio anymore. It's kind of just scrolling past and the algorithm goes, these independent artists you might like because of, you know, they listen to this, 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 and this, you have similar tastes. So it mm-hmm. will kind of list you who you want and who you want to see quite quickly have you found like that be an interesting thing, especially like in terms of, you know, your own input to your own music now mm. and listening to artists that necessarily you wouldn't have thought of? Not really. <laughs> I found the opposite. Like I find that Spotify doesn't really give me any new people. Like it'll really give me a lot of the same people I've been listening to. Um, yeah. So that's been like at the last little while because I've started listening to like the happy mix, the moody mix, the mm. whatever mix because it's sort of like a, a mix. Like yeah. sometimes I just want a mix of music for when I'm like going for a walk or working or whatever. Mm. And because I don't know, sometimes I don't want to commit to like a full album or something or like <laughs> I don't make as many playlists anymore because I have so many playlists, but I sort of have stopped trying to curate. Maybe that's because... I'm not finding the gems because Spotify is not giving me the gems. But um, You should write a very lengthy email to Spotify saying, give me some gems. <laughs> give me the gems, <laughs> Spotify. Um, so how do I find music? I don't know. I don't. Really? I don't think so. Like, I think the only real thing is like if you're listening to like Sam Fender, who I love, mm. and you're – Maybe you've made like a playlist of like four Sam Fender tracks and then when it goes to the end of the playlist, it starts the playlist radio. So then it gives you songs that like sort of might fit on that playlist but Uh, aren't on the playlist. And that's like probably like the ideal discovery for mm. me. Um, 
because yeah, like a lot of the Spotify playlists I'm not super into. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I was rinsing like indie pop that mm. Spotify playlist for a while because I love that sort of sound. And um, but yeah, there's some other players I'm not really that into that Spotify have. And then there's lots of stuff that I just listen to over and over and feel like I'm not getting any new sort of stuff. Mm. I don't know. It's just, I wish I was, but maybe it's also me just getting old and I just want to hear the same old 40 songs. <laughs> you're hardly that old as well. <laughs> like we sound like we're f- like fucking ancient and yeah. you're just like, maybe it's just me getting old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I do agree with that. I do, I do think that you're kind of... I guess, yeah, It's you limit yourself to what you can listen to as well. Um, I do think these platforms are built for the young, though, like yeah. the super young. So, mm. you know, like... Are we making are we making content for the next generation? Yes. Yeah, because, yes, like, you'll see the Spotify playlist and, like, the little captions they have, they're so Gen... Whatever, Gen Z or Zoom or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, I know. They just look so Zoomer. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is where we're at. Like, in the last, like, year or two, it's, like, switched. Yeah, mm. I mean, like it. It does kind of also make me feel really old when you know, like, um, my cousin's kids are like, you know, twelve and ten, and they're telling me about things that I don't even know, and I'm like, oh my god, I actually am old, because you know they're telling me about music and and you know, and and stuff, especially like, I guess you know. I remember listening to music that was made in the 70s and, and 60s with like my parents would listen to because that was what I grew up with. So it was like, you know, in the car, you'd have the cassette in the tape player and you'd just listen to what my dad had on loop. Um, and I guess now with the amazing free access and, you know, um, it is easier for kids to just kind of like discover artists, but they're also like you know, everywhere. Like, friends just recommend music now. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, I heard this great song on YouTube or I heard it on, like, blah, blah, blah. So they'll just send it to, um, you know, each other. And I guess, like, I feel a little lost as an adult of what... Because I didn't... I, I didn't... Un, I didn't have digital, like, platforms or, or, you know, really a CD collection until I was about 16. And now I feel very old. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have all my CDs, but yeah. I, like, never play them. <laughs> Because, I mean, you know, it's like it's all on Spotify, so what's the point? But would you? Are you a classic person, though? Do you still like collecting CDs? I used to, but I haven't. I've stopped myself. <laughs> Which is probably a very good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, you know, we do live in the digital age. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you make music, though, like, do you have a good filing system? Do you have a good... <laughs> Wincing. <laughs> Um, no, not really. It's pretty, pretty shitty. I'm just trying to think of what I do. I'll like label the project file by date, reverse date. Oh yeah. 2022 month, day, day. But the thing is like, when you're like starting a song, you have no idea what it's going to become. And so the sort of name that you'll give it will just be like bumpy groove or something (laughs) really dumb. Like, it's going to be nothing to do with what the song yeah. will actually be. So it can be hard to sort of, like, looking back through your sketches and being <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so I think I'd, like, suggest to, like, bounce out, and I don't even do this, like, export the uh, track as into, like, a WAV file or an MP3 or whatever and have it in your folder. Yeah. So instead of having to open up the whole project, which can take, like, 30 seconds or something to load up, 
you can just quickly press play and be like, oh, that's what that is. Mm. I need to get into the habit of doing that. Like I've been thinking about that for ages, but I don't know. Maybe I just haven't felt like it. But um, I can say like I would, in the past, I would spend like 50 versions on a track, mm. like save as 50 times or more now six or seven really yeah so it's massively dropped yeah do you know why um i think well i'm probably saving as a bit less (laughs) um so mostly for like major changes Mm -hmm. um but i think i'm working a lot quicker getting stuff done quicker Uh yeah that's it that's interesting i because yeah i wonder i wonder if that was like just yeah, it sounds like a confidence thing that mm. you just know quicker yeah. what works. And, and you know, I guess when we're younger, we're hesitant. So we're yeah. like, here's about 100 files yes. that we can <laughs> make sure we've got yeah. um, in case anything gets corrupted. And uh, you'd like agonize over the smallest choices and be like, I'm going to save a new version yeah, just in case. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, calm down. Um, yeah, so I I actually have on my new computer, it's got like two terabytes of storage. Because I was like, I think it's gonna it's gonna serve me well. I don't want to be scrambling for storage because that was a thing with my old computer. Yeah, it was always like jumping at the top of the sort of like upper limit. Like it was way past what I should have like the operating kind of mm. ideal. I think it's like ideal to not go past like half. Mm. the storage and i would go like pretty much to the full because it was only like 250 and i was like that's nothing for like a music production Mm. professional like myself (laughs) and so that was also why it was such a noisy computer yeah i mean like you know because when did you you what got a new one this year was it this year that you got the new one could have been like the end of last year oh okay so like 2021 maybe yeah i mean like you know um but I also think that, you know, when you get a new computer and, you know, like, it is true because my my computer's, like, capacity. It's, like, mm. it always warns me that I've used too much storage and, yeah. like, oh, that's right. I have, like, limits on this wonderful device. Um, mm. But, yeah, this is, like, the problem and why it crashes. Um, but it's also about, like, something about files that, you know, and terabytes worth of, like, data that you strip from it, you know. Um, whereas back in the day, I don't know, like used to use floppy disks to kind of install music it was like you know like your computers couldn't handle half the software that it can now yeah um so it is like amazing that we can have like two terabytes of you know worth of storage on a computer Mm -hmm. whether whether that's yeah as you say sensible to kind of go past your half limit look you know if you don't want your software to crash Mm-hmm. Sure, don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing I say. I mean, like, in terms of file storage, it's fine. But, uh, you know, when you run software, it run it uses, like, 50% of your storage space already when it's running. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing but insane capacity to need about half your storage space to kind of run itself. Yeah. Because there's so many, like, plugins and background things it's cognitively doing. So, it's like... So it's, much smarter than we are. I know. <laughs> It's like it's thinking ten yeah. times harder. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because it does all these file system and and sort of organizing your files and and extracting information from it, it does make it very hard 
and very easy to crash. Like, have you been halfway through a song and and it crashed? My new my new system's pretty stable. Oh, that's is, good. Which is wonderful. <laughs> so, no, not for a while. I mean, it was pretty bad with the old one. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's been the horror story then while oh. making this song? <laughs> I don't know if there's been horror stories. I can't even remember. Mm. But I do remember this is sort of like it's not a horror story, it's just like a pain in the bum like when I updated the software that I use Ableton to the mm. latest on my old computer, on the laptop, um, it just wouldn't like open mm. like old files from the previous iteration, like live 10. It mm. wouldn't, it wouldn't open in live 11. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It's like, fuck, like I actually want this mm. stuff in these old files, old project files. Like I want to be able to access that. And so, I don't know, it was like some weird thing with one of the plugins that it was not compatible with mm. Live 11. And so it was like force quitting. Like it wasn't even opening. It was like loading up the program, boom, crash, try it again, boom, mm-hmm. crash every time. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? That was a pain. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And it's all fine now because of the new. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just because like, I think I might've, as I moved things over to my new system, I think I might have not moved all of the old mm. plugins that are no longer compatible, I guess, with the new software. Mm. And so since they're not on the new system, they're not causing trouble. And Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. They're not causing trouble anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, for you, though, and in terms of, I guess, your next, like, 10 years trajectory because, you, you know, you talk about the finite of time. Um, and I want to bring us back to that finite of time. Mm-hmm. Do you see, where do you see yourself in the next like five, 10 years? Where, or where ideally do you see yourself? Mm, I don't know exactly. I mean, I would like to sort of start playing bigger events and festivals. I think that would be great. Get some radio play, that sort mm. of thing. Maybe do some writing for other people, producing for other people and writing for screen mm. as multiple sources of income. Maybe do a bit of touring. Maybe do some teaching. Mm. So, yeah. Hopefully, all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you most nervous about? Um, actually making it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't feel like you've already made it. Making it on a bigger scale. Okay. <laughs> like. Yeah. I do feel successful. Like I'm doing gigs and they're sounding yeah. great and all that. I'm releasing music and that to me is a success. But if I actually make it on like a global scale. That's huge then. Then that's like terrifying. Are you prepared for then fame? Because you know how they talk a lot of the times when people, you know, like not everyone's used to that level of fame, mm-hmm. especially when you're really well. Like how do you balance that for yourself? Like are you ready for everyone to know who you are? Well, I mean, I guess with some artists, like, they're not that famous. And I don't think I'll ever be that famous. Mm. Um, But I'll probably, well, hopefully be, like, somewhat respected and, like, have an audience Mm. that's not, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, It's like I don't expect 
to be like a super necessarily super mainstream artist mm. but i hope that i will be at least kind of recognizable like caroline polachek who i mentioned before yeah who i guess is still doing pretty well for herself but um yeah i don't know i feel like there's a lot of artists now that are like on lots of festivals but they're not like the big pop star types mm. and they're still really appreciated by like the young indie crowd you know what i mean yeah but it's not like every every mum and their three-year-old would like know no like who they are like taylor swift or dua lipa or like yeah i mean like you know. taylor swift is also like a phenomenon as well oh and yeah it's sort of like you know <laughs> it's like billy eilish and i yeah. i remember Years ago, and this actually wasn't even that long ago, I remember when Billie Eilish was a supporting act. Oh, yeah. I I actually, um, a few years ago, um, there's this thing they, I don't know if they still do it on Triple J, but like on Good Nights, they have a thing where you can be a guest selector of three tracks. So you get to choose three tracks that they play and then you do a little spiel, like you record yourself talking about them. Oh, yeah. This was like f- maybe five years ago, maybe maybe more, four or five, six. I don't mm. know. And one of my tracks was Billie Eilish, Ocean Eyes. Oh, no, no. It was it was her other one at the time. The one where she's got a be- bellyache. That's the one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bellyache, which was one of her like really early ones. Mm. And I was just going like, yeah, Billie's so cool. She's just like murdered her friend and they're in the boot. <laughs> and yeah, what a badass bitch kind of thing. Like, yeah. Um, played on the radio and they did and I was like god damn look at her now mm, I know like I can't believe I had to sort of like be the one to like because they weren't playing they weren't playing her on the radio really yeah. at that point so I was like yeah you should play her and I'm like what I know it's and it's and it's weird now because it's sort of like you know you you know tickets sell enormously for a huge amount of price but it, you know um, it's one of those things and I think that you know like Someone, you know, I think she's also being very well looked after by her and her brother and her family. And I think mm. they've kind of like done the smart thing where they're not trying to be like too much in the limelight all the time because she's hyper aware of how damaging that can be when you're constantly news articles constantly all the time and everyone's sort of criticizing you for how you dress. But I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, when she was like, um, I remember one of my co workers years ago, like, I'm talking like maybe even four years ago, I was just like, oh yeah, I've been listening to this artist, Billy Eilish. She's like, great. And I was like, who? Like, and now like everyone's heard of her. So it, yeah. it is kind of one of those things that, and I remember it was so funny because the, she recently just had her concert in Australia. And I remember I did not see a single person who I didn't, I, I didn't know who had not gone to her concert, like everyone had gone and just uh, and attended. I was like, oh my God. Like, how I, didn't, people- I didn't go. I didn't go. I was pretty, pretty sad I missed out on tickets. I mean, I just like didn't even know she was coming. I kind of knew, but we were sort of like hesitant to buy tickets because they would have been outrageously expensive. And I mean, like I was like, I, you know, had she come for Florence's Highest, um, highest Hope album, I would have seen her at Domain live as a sporting act oh. but unfortunately i think there was she couldn't come because she was sick so that was the only reason um or there was a clash there was something about a clash mm. anyway her she couldn't come her and her brother so it was like this is a shame 
I don't get to see an artist that a few of my friends are talking about, and now everyone's going to <laughs> and being like, oh, my God, Billy. Um, and it's, I guess for me, it's so weird as well because there's a bit of, um, I want to say, enjoyment out of these artists because I, th- I admire a lot of different artists with a lot of different things. But I guess, the same with Taylor, I don't put them on pedestals where they're like, larger than god like and i feel like a lot of fans do they put these you know artists on pedestals and you know then it becomes a little bit like i i guess it's it's the reason i turn off social media because when people just you know it becomes less about appreciating the art and more about appreciating like the glorification of the artist and Mm. i guess that sort of like subtracts from it because like one of my favorite artists is aurora Oh yeah, and love Aurora, and but I also think that she is particularly less talked about than some other artists, and I, you know, I think that's just because of you know probably circumstantial, and you know maybe one day she'll be known by like literally everyone in the sun. Mm. She's still pretty famous though. She's done really well, like on TikTok. Yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like TikTok's the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you like, do you think for yourself as well? Like, do you, are you hoping that people never kind of put you in this glorious God kind of complex, you know, or, or go to your shows and be like, oh, you know, Isavina, like, and mm. just know you for that personality mm. rather than this, I guess the stake of your own music. Yeah. No, I've always wanted to be like a legend for the music. Mm. Definitely. But like, not for the figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, they're sort of one and the same in some sense. But, yeah, I'd rather it be more about the music, I think. Because I'm just like, man, I'm not even that interesting, like, as a person. Like, Never say that. Nah. But, I don't know. Some some artists, I feel like, oh, I I don't know if I should say this, but, like, Peach PRC, like, her whole, like thing is her persona mm. and the music to me is secondary yeah and that's sort of how she got really famous because it's all about her story and mm. what she's been through what she's done like the drama that's like kind of yeah. where where it's all built up off and then mm. the music is sort of like an extension of that yeah and that's not what i would want for myself yet yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's totally fair and sort of, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, you really, you really don't want it just to be the only thing that people kind of gravitate towards you is your story. Mm. Um, Like, and I, I, I feel like, would there be ever a time where you just, you know, you'd take a break from live performances and then just solely release online? Yeah. I guess. Like, I think I was doing that for a while before I started doing gigs, obviously, mm. <laughs> and during COVID. Yeah. I mean, okay. um, not that I released a lot during that time, probably only like one or two songs. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, potentially if it, I usually go by what I'm feeling. Like if I feel like I want to do that, then I would do it. I mm. try and do what I want. and Which is great. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the that's the challenge. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, I guess, I guess the thing, and it's also like the thing is, um, you know, your persona and presence. Um, I guess when people know you personally, and then when people 
you don't know your stage persona it's a little bit different you know yeah. like um and are you, are you sort of intending to always keep that those two things separate probably mm-hmm. yeah probably um yeah i mean i'm pretty quiet so going on stage it's actually really easy for me which is interesting yeah it's really easy i've got the mic i'm in control i do my thing do the stuff that I can't do as Gemma, which is my real name. Mm-hmm. So as Isavina, I'm like, well, you know, they are separate. They are separate. Yeah. They're different. Yeah. Which uh, yeah. doesn't mean it's not authentic. Yeah. But it's like some of the stuff I've written about didn't happen mm. at all. Like I wouldn't have probably done that. Like... It's just what I was really, you know, not, well, maybe not feeling, but I was like, it was a small part of me that I very much enlarged. Yeah. Which I mean, is my, uh, what's that creative liberty? And yeah. 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 <laughs> creative licensing. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, because I, I think knowing you as well mm. and having those two separate worlds as well. It's it's very interesting to sort of you know sit down with you and have coffee versus like see you on stage. Mm-hmm. It's like two very you know I know they're the same person, but they're also two very different people. Like yeah. you know, and I guess you're very good work in a crowd, but then when you you know you're in your own world, it's a little bit different. You sort yeah. of want to keep as far away from the crowd or just mm. enjoy the moment with people, yeah, rather than I guess necessarily be the center of focus. Yeah. That's true. Mm. So I think that's why I like performing because it's like my little time to sort of do my thing and mm. then I'll be like jellyfish away, <laughs> sort of like into the background. Yeah. Well, not background but like not – I'm naturally not the loudest, like I'm a little soft-spoken or medium voice as you I, like to say. I have the very medium voice, very crisp medium <laughs> voice. Um. Yeah, so – but honestly like – I feel like my voice comes through best through my music and sometimes like in general conversation, I don't feel like I have the best things to say or like the most knowledge about certain topics and sort of like I like to listen and not talk shit, like pull stuff out of my ass. Like I don't think that's authentic to me. Like, yeah. I mean, that's very true. And I don't think you've ever been sort of <laughs> someone to pull stuff out of your ass left, right, and center. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like, I think also, you know, and I, I I, sort of disagree with you in the fact that, you know, I, you know, oh, you're not interesting or anything like that because um, we've had very much in-depth conversations about all sorts of things. But I, I definitely think, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things that's like, well, how many people do you want to listen to that? to that you know conversation because i feel like we all have stories we all have opinions we all have life mm. and that's part of what makes us unique as people and individuals and i guess like the one thing you know i like i have this all the time where you know like people go oh you know back in the day before like i really had an online presence people are like oh what do you like you know i only know you as sort of like in like two things mm. and now it's like oh actually you know you like several things and you know you have a a following or you have like, you know, a platform that you talk about and, you know, and everything. And I think that makes us more, you know, connectable and, and, you know, like approachable, but I mean, at the same time, 
I I think everyone has a story, and I think everyone has like an uh I, I, an opportunity, whether they think they do or not, um, to tell that story. And I I think that it depends how you you know because we only shape our own stories as well. Like we you know we're in control of our own stories. Whether you know you talk about like social media as being like a a, a bit of a fuckwit in terms of how they tell stories, or you know the you know the the different angles that people take and strip information from you. I I think that's poor, I guess, journalism or, or, or poor sort of, it's a very biased opinion of of what actually happens. And it's like a he said, she said, they said kind of like mm. scenario. Yeah. Um, whereas I think when we're in control, like, you know, and that's why I think a lot of the time now what we say is really important because, you know, it does give, you know, people inspiration. It does give people like, you know, an idea of who we are and, and you know, and, and I guess like a solidification, whether you think it does or not, because, you know, at the end of the day, we all have a purpose and, you know, there's like something we're all inspired to do. We only live once, I guess, mm. you know, depending on your spirituality and everything. Yes. But like, uh, you know, there's one life and we do it and we kind of make the most of it. And I think it's kind of nuts, that aspect of it, especially when we're like in a creative field. It's kind of like we're projecting whether fictitious stories or real, you know, stories of what we're trying to say is in a, you know, as you say, an extrapolation of some small event that happened or something mm-hmm. small about yourself. Yeah. You're still telling some sort of version of a story. Mm. But as artists, we're kind of just, you know, that's the point. We're making it bigger than life. We're making everything yeah. sort of big. Yeah. And that's exciting, but it also kind of makes us very grounded because it's, you know, it, it, you know, like it's like that heart on your sleeve kind of thing. We are mm. more emotional than, you know, those business execs who come to a party and try and sell a product. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's where it comes important to be an individual and be hopeful because it's like, well, you know, um, I think, I, I don't know, I think it's like also really important as like artists, you know, that we are as... I guess transparent as we can be. Like it's probably the most accurate way. <laughs> you know, like we're not like completely see through, but we're mostly a transparent as- asset because people want to believe in something and I want, you know, like whether you have mental health issues or anything mm. like that, you want an advocate to kind of make you feel better about yourself or, you know, like that's why we listen to music. That's why we watch mm. films. They make us feel better about our own lives and, and you know, necessarily the shit that goes, you know, because we all, I think, I think the thing I admire about you as well, if you, you know, from a personal perspective um, is, you know, throughout your, you know, you're very much like upfront. You're always a very upfront person, which is interesting because you don't, you, you know, I guess that's kind of a quality of you that probably not a lot of people see but you're very upfront with things and very honest and open mm. and just kind of like not being around the bush kind of person. <laughs> Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, you're not the only person who said that to me. Um, yeah. No, I've had people say something brutally honest or like painfully honest. And so I decided to tone it down a little bit. So it's, you know, honest, but kind, kindly honest. Kindly honest. Kindly honest. Mm. Yeah. Because sometimes I'd like accidentally maybe hurt someone's feelings. That didn't happen too often, but sometimes if someone was particularly sensitive, I'm very sensitive. Um, So now just sort of like tuning into that and tempering it and 
you know, maturity. Like you learn things yeah. as you grow, like how to, yeah, how to like talk to, talk to people in a way that they'll listen and not get hurt or cause like, you know, obviously you're not really trying to hurt people, but sometimes if you say something like the wrong way, you know, people can get offended or get hurt. So yeah, yeah, definitely like trying to be more delicate with stuff like that. Um, but yeah, what, what was your question? I like, <laughs> I don't even, I just loved that you answered that. And that was kind of like the basis of my question. Yeah. But, I, <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think also with, with that mm. and, you know, like, being being so brutally honest i think it, it kind of makes you more approachable as well because then you sort of don't you don't get the fictitious mm. like like nothing's not true yeah. because you always know where you stand yes yeah i mean even when i was really young like i just didn't lie like You're i terrible lying oh i'd be yeah i mean i don't try cuz i <laughs> like i know that i wouldn't be able to pull it off mm. at all so i don't lie i don't like i don't lie at all um if I do have to give someone like, like I said before, like if, if I have to give someone a hard truth, I'll sort of just be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. This is just my opinion. That's always a good one. So it's sort mm. of like, you know, like this is just what I think. Doesn't mean it's right. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot the question again. What what were we saying? About brutally honest. And, yeah. And, and, you know, you're you know, whether you're, you know, like your opinions and how you approach people. Oh, yeah. So I don't see the point in like not being honest. Like mm. it doesn't, it feels like a waste of time. Yeah. It's like I'd much rather just communicate. I think that's what it really comes down to is communication, like mm. authentic communication mm. um, and just being clear and like knowing like yeah even if it's something that's hard to take it's like probably better to just be clear about it <laughs> hard hard pill to swallow kind yeah. of thing yeah in the end it's going to save you time yeah, yeah. i mean like you, i i guess as also you know cuz you do, you know i want to bring us back to i mm. guess you know the whole aspect of being a woman in the industry as well mm -hmm. do you think you've had to deal with a lot of like hard truths that people have tried to give you or sort of like, cause you talk, you talked a little bit about like, you know, th there's always a finite amount of time for a woman. And I guess that's, mm. you know, true, but mm. I think it is changing now. Like yeah. it's massively changing. And it, yeah. it, I feel like, yeah. Do you feel like there's a lot of hard truths that you've had to deal with or sort of like circumstantial, or do you think you've just kind of like brushed those off at the side now? I don't know if anyone has ever said, specifically those words because they would probably get like me too'd out the door yeah i know <laughs> it's just like a impression that you get or like the mm. vibe the vibe sort of thing yeah um you know different things that other people say it's never explicitly said it's just sort of understood mm. <laughs> um what gets played on the radio you sort of see and blah 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 blah, blah. um but yeah there was like I think on Instagram, a little movement like a year or so ago, of women who were over 30, like sort of sharing their story of how they got aged out of the music industry, mm. how once they turned 30, radio stopped playing them, they stopped getting, you know, like 
opportunities and things like that. Um, or they get like relegated to double J. Oh, I'm being really specific now. Um, <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I'm going to utilize that. Oh, dear. <laughs> I hope that doesn't get me in trouble. But um, I, I feel like that's an accurate statement, though. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's... It's interesting as well because I feel like it's based entirely upon upon physicality and, you know, I guess attractiveness, Mm. which is kind of the shitty side of music industry because looks should not really dictate how you, your work succeeds. Yeah. Yes and no. I think it helps. Um, I think it helps if you have that thing, whatever the thing is. Yeah. the it factor the star factor like i think it helps and it's probably what makes the difference um because there's so many people out there trying to do the same thing mm. like it comes down to those sorts of things um because there's always someone that can help you sound a bit better yeah but unless you get plastic surgery like do you, you think know. you'd ever go down no <laughs> no <laughs> like that right no I don't think so. I think it's good to like embrace what makes you like different and mm. unique because so many kids nowadays like need that and they love that. Mm. They're so more accepting. Like I think young kids are so much more accepting now of differences and, mm. and like queerness or being trans or like yeah. any sorts of like um, diversity or being different. They're so much more accepting than when we were young and no we're still young but like when we were in those very tender years yeah when it mattered um it's different i think it's different now even though like obviously there's a lot of toxicity on yeah like tiktok and stuff but in general yeah i think it's way more accepting i mean absolutely and i think you know it's, it's interesting as well because i feel like there's you know, the, the younger and younger generation, you know, like keeps going back where the people make a lot of, you know, decisions earlier and earlier and earlier and, and know themselves a lot more mm. at a younger age yeah. versus because it's not it's not shamed. None of it's shamed anymore. Yeah. Like there was a lot of shame going around in high school where I remember it's like, you know, and I feel like there was very set in stereotypes. Like people, people did certain things. You dressed certain ways. Everyone was sort of like a certain category. You listened to certain mm. music. Like that was that was what we were told. Yeah. And now it's like, nah, you can be anyone. And I feel like, you know, what's it? What's that saying? It's like the older generation are eventually going to die, and that's like the blessing. <laughs> um, but it's true. A lot of people who are like very bigoted will eventually die. Mm. And but yeah, like I don't know. It's it's sort of inspiring, especially like you know, making content for or, you know, giving people hope who are mm-hmm. younger than us. Yeah. That they're not alone or they're, you know. Because do you feel like what are things that you would have told young you mm. that now you know about yourself? What would you have told your younger self? Mm. Here's some advice and here's, here's, you know, here's where you're going. That's a great question, Marty. Like, whoa. <laughs> Throwing you the deep ones. Mm. Well, I mean, I didn't. I probably didn't realize how sensitive I was mm-hmm. um, until my psychologist told me. So, <laughs> um, I probably would have told myself to go to therapy a lot younger than I started. Um, probably would have helped a lot. 
just to like help you work through your things without mm. like obsessing about things that don't really matter. Because um, mm. like a lot of depression is just obsession yeah. about negative things in a way, like all things that happened in the past mm. that you can't change. Um, not, I'm not saying I was particularly depressed, but um, like there was moments where it was like a bit like that, if that makes sense. Like, ah, I should have really like let go. Mm. um of certain things and yeah I mean that's probably what I would have told myself was like try and focus more on like the moment and try not to ruminate too much about the past Mm. or worry about the future too much because like a lot of us suffered from like quite severe like doomsday anxiety I think um some some people's like a lot of people still do a lot of young people are going through that now but i yeah. sort of tried to let go of that because it's so unhealthy for your like yeah so bad for you and it's like it's not gonna feeling that way is not gonna change the world no. you're gonna change the world by feeling good <laughs> really like it's where you're in your power yeah I mean, you can't, and I, and you know, like, I'm not saying you can control always that, mm. but I, th- I think because, you know, like depression comes out of like also m- managing chemicals in the brain and everything, but I do agree that like, you know, it, it, you, it's because of those imbalances that you do kind of like, unless, you know, thinking about positive thoughts and trying to think about, I guess, going forward when you're constantly focusing on the, the events that previously happened, mm. they sort of dictate how you feel and you can get yourself into a rut Mm -hmm. where it's suddenly, you know, like, you know, unfortunately like the pandemic happened, a lot of people who were very clinically depressed ended up taking their own life. And that was a major result of being cut off by connection, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I, and I think it's a reflection of how, you know, the world was and not how it is now, because I, I think like therapy is, all praise to therapy. It's a great. It's a great resource. But I mean, mm. like, there's so many things, like, you know, like, um, you know, Lifeline. And you know, there's men's mental health. There's um, there's women's mental health mm-hmm. like lines that specific for those needs. There's you know, um, safe zones that people you know from um situations that they don't feel comfortable going to can go yeah. and stay. Um, you know, there's there's so many like access nowadays. Whereas you know, like I remember particularly when we were kids. Like, and I remember my dad, you know, now is taking medication and, um, but I remember when I was a kid, he didn't, it was, therapy was not on the high list of priorities that he was ever going to consider. Yeah. And now it's like something he considers and is on meds and, you know, is, lives a very happy and healthy life. But, you know, it's one of those things that had he said, um, years ago, oh, I'll never bother with that stuff. And it's always funny when I guess I hear people who don't believe that, therapy even if you're not in a you know like you don't have to be clinically depressed to go to therapy sometimes it's just really useful to Mm -hmm. get diagnosed with like certain um, neurological conditions you know a lot of people actually end up discovering that they've got like ADHD or you know um, you know slight version of autism or you know on Mm -hmm. the spectrum somewhere you know um, and that's fascinating because I think it really kind of makes up a broader spectrum of people and differences but when you never want to touch a therapist I think that's when you live in a very kind of like, and you don't believe in it is kind of what do you think of other people who do it then? Like, what's your real thought of that? Because then mm. you must think that everyone's overdramatic. And, and I think that that's really negative because yeah. it's, 
everyone has their own way of dealing with things and whether you know you're um you use therapy or you use like um you know uh i guess herbal um uh remedies or you know you you see uh you know um i guess someone like a crystal bear or something like that i was like trying to think what exactly like that is but i mean like i think that everyone's beliefs and how they handle their own sort of like well-being is massively important as long as it doesn't like negatively affect others Mm. which you know is where it comes to because i remember like back in the day before i was on meds man was my mental health like spiking it was like a, a massive like overhaul and now that i've been on you know, like, I don't think that meds are the only thing that's sort of like, but I think a lot of external, like it was something that my therapist said, which was when we have control of our external elements and, you know, and we just put those to the side and we don't, we don't let them sort of dictate our day-to-day life and we don't let them bother us and we control our in, you know, what we can do about ourselves, Mm. then you'll feel better because the external factors of, oh, someone just, you know, was rude to me at the coffee shop. I can't do anything about that person at the coffee shop because they're just going to be an asshole if yeah. they're in a bad mood. What I can do is how I react to that situation, which will then put me in a better mood for later if I try and go, you know what? No, I don't worry about that. I'm going to move on. But, you know, I remember back in the day, anything would set me off. It's like just <laughs> falling apart. Like, were you, do you feel like you, you're better at managing just the day-to-day routines better? I think I'm actually a lot busier than... I used to be. Mm-hmm. That can be a bit difficult. But what I do is I meditate every day, mm. 20 minutes or so. And it makes everything a lot easier. I'm much calmer, less reactive. Um, yeah, it's like I feel like I'm more in control of my own thoughts. Yeah. Um, generally, I think I'm more positive. Um, but, you know, you still there's still like worries and I could be like more carefree, but you know, we'll get, we'll get there and <laughs> you can't be like that all the time. Yeah. You know, like, um, but yeah, no, definitely like I'm way better at managing my own mental health for sure. Like I, yeah. I feel like I'm in control. Whereas like before I didn't, I was just like, whatever whim, <laughs> whatever thought came in. Oh man. Okay. Shit. I feel kind of shit now. Yeah. Um, but I was also really good at having positive thoughts as a teenager as well. Mm. I was like, oh, isn't that, isn't this world amazing? And then other people would be like, but X, Y, and Z, I'd be like, oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> but no, now I feel like I've really kind of made the separation between self and thought and not kind of identifying with thoughts. So that was a big discovery for me Mm. um yeah so that separation of like you exist apart from your thoughts yeah like that's just like a little neuron going off in your brain like that's not who you are so learning that separation was like a big deal and learning that you could actually control what you think about in order to influence how you feel was another big thing yeah um learning to recognize and sort of see yourself as separate was something I learned from me. I think meditation um, and a book called The Power of Now, which sounds silly, but it was a really good book and that was quite eye-opening. Mm. Um, yeah. So you just like use it as therapy, kind of like a therapeutic book? I mean, I guess it's probably more like self-help or something. Yeah. 
but it, it's not like I was using it in place of therapy. Yeah. I think I was starting therapy around that point. It's always good to have self-help books as well. Yeah. I always find like they're like, you know, <laughs> little useful advice. I love self-help. Yeah, I know. I think it's great. Um, yeah. It's, an, it's a unique perspective. Mm. Like, but I also think it's very good to have like that outward, outwards perspective. But I mean, I agree with that. Like I'm probably should meditate more than I do because mm-hmm. um, it does help. Oh, but, yeah. You know, like I, I do a lot of Pilates and yoga, so that also helps. And I think that's like when you're sort of mindful mm-hmm. of your own body and kind of like what you're doing day to day. Yeah. It's very easy to kind of keep, keep a top of everything. Although that's not to say that I don't have spouts still to this day, but mm-hmm. it's a lot easier. Yeah. Then I was like, say, three, four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you'd say the same. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That's good. Like, yeah, and like you learn how to like self-soothe, as they say, like learn what you need, learn what your triggers are, and that mm. will help you to identify when you're maybe running away with like a a worry train of thought or something and it's like oh i'm worrying about this because it's one of my triggers because mm. of this experience but it doesn't mean that it's like necessarily true or that what i'm worried about is going to happen because mm. it's just like the tendency that you have you notice like oh that's my tendency to think those things but has that ever happened yeah well actually no so you just be like oh that's my thing Mm. You sort of be like, yeah, I do that. I know. You like accept that yeah. and be like, yeah, I know that I do that. That's what's happening right now. Being able to recognize that as a pattern, mm. super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like really like self-aware. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess that comes with age as well. <laughs> like we all grow up and become more self-aware. Yeah. But I, I definitely think that, you know, some people <laughs> out there are not that self-aware. Mm. So it's it's really good. And I, you know, it's it's interesting because, yeah, it does mean, I, I don't know, like not everything getting kind of gets to you. It's just not this overwhelming, yeah. you know, world. And we're able to slow down and sort of able to step back mm-hmm. and, and realize, wow, am I going to create the next project? Without like going down the rabbit hole of self-deprecation or you know of self-negligence or you know because yeah. I feel like that's so easy to as a creative artist as well to you know lack of self-care and it's always very important to have self-care especially when you're a creative because yeah. creative energy goes hand in hand like into your projects and you know I've I've definitely gotten days where I've forgotten to eat oh no oh I always eat I'm yeah like... see you're good. <laughs> I always eat. Um, yeah, no, I never forget to eat. I'm like, what's next? <laughs> yeah, what's what's the next meal? What's the next meal? Oh so now I'm like trying to focus more on like choosing healthy meals that are like have enough protein and mm. making sure I, making sure I eat enough protein because that's actually really important. I mm. didn't I didn't actually understand that because um, I've got PCOS and like protein is a big factor in like trying to balance blood sugars and stuff like that so i'm like okay that's that's really helpful to like actually know that and i do feel a difference like when i've had like a good breakfast with like eggs and like wholemeal bread as opposed to like just the bread yeah like with a bit of peanut butter or whatever it's like yeah there's definitely a difference um 
Anyway, that's kind of going off topic a bit, but... I love that, though. Mm. That's now we know that Isavina's breakfast routine is like this. Mm-hmm. Well, ideally, not always. No. Yeah. It's your standard breakfast, though. Probably, at the moment, scrambled eggs on toast. Yeah. Like a bit of avocado. Oh, look at that. That's like breakfast connoisseur right yeah. there. Yeah. That's like, that's like going to a cafe every morning and... Yeah. And the finest Put meat. a little bit of cheese in scrambled eggs and, yeah, it's pretty good. You're making me hungry. I'm getting hungry too. Oh, no, just thinking about food. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to use this as a perfect point to wrap us up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got so many more questions I want to ask, but I, it's there's never enough time. Yeah. Um, Sabina, yes. where can people find you? Where can they stalk you on the internet? Mm. Oh, yes. I'm just picturing that. Um, <laughs> I'm at Isavina Music on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel, which has like my music and some mm. videos that I made myself which is kind of fun um spotify i'm icevena i-c-e-v-e-n-a and it's also like all my music's available Mm. on like most of the major platforms like apple spotify soundcloud youtube whatever (laughs) you'll find me just put in google you'll be right (laughs) just type it in google yeah you'll find it yeah um Thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was yeah. great talking to you, Marty. It's any time, any time. And if you want to go and check out more episodes of The Things We Do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. We'll be speaking with another guest next week, and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.